0: or at least close enough to Christmas. We've got, we've got a week and a day to go, right? And at Christmas, we do and we are kind of one of two things. Uh, either you're a celebrator or a sufferer, is my experience with Christmas. Uh, I'm sure there are other categories, but I'm just gonna dumb it down like this for now and we're gonna have fun with it. Um, you either are the person who celebrates riotously at Christmas and has a great time, or you're a person who maybe doesn't like this season. Uh, you face struggles, you face the struggle of, you know, maybe um, just difficult life circumstances, maybe past losses, maybe the challenges of who isn't here this year. Uh, and and uh, on top of that, you face the struggle of trying to understand these celebrators who are standing around you celebrating uh, when when it seems hard for you. Is there is there another time of year when more people struggle and more people celebrate simultaneously? Uh, I haven't come across it. Uh, when we, when we celebrate Christmas, first day, back first day back at school. Thank you, teacher in the second row. <laughs> You're both. That's, yeah. We celebrate. Shh, well, <laughs> he's on the music team. I can do that. Um, we celebrate the baby in the manger, right? Uh, how how cute, how adorable, how wonderful. Uh, we, we celebrate the angels and the lights. We celebrate the trees and the decorations. We celebrate the shepherds and the wise men. Uh, but in the midst of it all, there can be a bit of a tendency for us to lose sight of, of what we're celebrating, of why we celebrate. Why is there a baby in a manger? I mean, we've got a crown in a manger, but you just have to imagine. Why Why are there angels? Why are there shepherds? Why are there wise men? What's, what's the, the point of it? Why, after 2000 years, are we still celebrating this thing? I mean, seriously, uh, name one other thing in your life that you get a public holiday for that happened more than two millennia ago. You don't have one. Give it a few years and Easter will be one. But but as, as of right now, I can say that. When we understand the reason though, when we understand the why of Christmas, the why to celebrate, we actually find a message that is hope and joy and peace for the celebrators and for the sufferers alike. That's why I love this time of year. That's why I love what we celebrate this time of year and why I love celebrating it the rest of the year as well, actually. The best reason to celebrate, the best reason to hope in the midst of suffering is what we find when we look at the reason for this. But to understand why we celebrate the the baby in the manger, we we need to understand why he came at all. This evening, I want to briefly take you to a place in the Bible that Crystal, my wife there, read out for us earlier on, where Jesus explained why he came, why the baby went into the manger. Because the best person to ask why, why the baby in the manger, why the angels, why the shepherds, why the wise men, and a lot of it, is Jesus himself, of course, uh, the one who it's all about. As, as Rick's mentioned for us already, at, at Gospel Church this December, we've been going through a bit of a, a preaching series that we call Dwell. The Word became one of us. We've been working through the, the Nativity according to the Gospel of John. It's been, it's been a fantastic time together. Uh, and in it, we've seen these massive claims about the why. Massive claims about who the Christmas baby is and what the Christmas baby came to do to... Uh, we see the claim that Jesus is the all-creating God communicating with us. John calls him the word in the Bible. He is the light in the midst of our darkness, the darkness of our brokenness, of our challenges, of our sorrows and our struggles. Jesus is uh, the bright light. I was just fascinated just thinking about this I think it was last night, we were talking about uh, that, that Christmas carol. We're not doing it tonight, but Silent Night, uh, if, if you know it, uh, Silent Night, Holy Night, all is calm, all is bright. And I was just reflecting on the fact that that's probably deeply unfactual. Um, <laughs> no offence to whoever wrote Silent Night. Um, but think about, like, you know, in, the, in the Bible story of Christmas, what you have is a man and a woman, a heavily pregnant woman, who've just traveled like 145 kilometers on foot no mention of a donkey, by the way, um, and and they and they get there, and she they don't have a place to go, and and literally in the dark, in a stable, she gives birth to a baby. baby. And you might be going, but what about the star? The star came later. It's okay. Um, and and isn't that a picture of what Jesus came to do? He is the light who comes into the darkness, and the very physical darkness of his birth can remind us of that. Um, imagine, imagine, if, imagine if nativity plays were, were done like that. They probably wouldn't be child actor appropriate. Um, he's, also, he's also the life we've seen, the life in the world that doesn't understand, the world that doesn't understand what real life is, more than physical life. Life which is relationship with your creator, a creator who made you to know him, and to relate to Him, and to find deepest, truest life with Him. Well, tonight, like I said, I want to point you towards something just a little later than John chapter 1. We call it John chapter 3. Clever, huh? Uh, And and what's interesting um, is that when you you get to know the Jesus of the Bible, He's so different to what you might expect. The Jesus of the Bible isn't the Jesus that maybe we we hear about a lot um, out in the street, if if you hear about Jesus at all. Jesus didn't come to start a religious movement for people who were into that kind of thing. Jesus came for the people who knew that they had nothing to bring to the table, is what we find. But in John chapter three, you do get a little bit of an exception to that in a way, because a religious guy comes to Jesus. Uh, His name's Nicodemus. He's, he's, he's comes and he's genuinely seeking to know who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. He's unique in that way, because in John's Gospel, the rest of the time, the religious people are the people against Jesus. He comes by cover of night. He doesn't want the other religious people to know that he's gone there. And Nicodemus recognizes that, you know, by implication of the fact that he came at night, he recognizes that this could be costly to him. This could cause difficulties for him if people know that he went to see Jesus, in the end, he would have to lose his his religious person high standing in order to openly acknowledge Jesus. He would have to come empty-handed too in the end. Anyway, he comes to Jesus to ask him two questions. And the first question he asks is, what is Jesus all about? That's a summary version. You won't find those exact words in the Bible. What's going on with him? He's seen the signs, he's seen the wonders he wants to know. And Jesus gives him... A bit of a shocking answer. Uh, What he says to to Nicodemus is still relevant for us today. What he says to us is that he came down to make you new. He came to make you new. In fact, it's it's probably a little bit more jarring than that, the way that Jesus puts it. He says, you can't come into the light and the life of Jesus. You can't go there unless you are first made new. What his exact words are, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't see it. You can't come into the life and light of Jesus unless you are born again. And this comes back to what we find at the beginning of John's Gospel, right? Jesus doesn't just come to add a little bit to your life. He doesn't come to give you a new religious movement. Jesus makes you new as a whole. Jesus takes the hopeless and he fills them with hope. Jesus takes the lifeless and he pours life into them. He takes the people who've lived in great darkness and he shows them great light, forever light and life, life like you've never known. But if Jesus is life, then that means he's not just, he's not just some thing that you can add to your life. He's not, he's not the side note. He could never be that. You need to be made new. He needs to come into everything. Nicodemus, understandably, I think, is confused. Anyone relating? Born again... Like, I mean, maybe maybe you've sat in a church for a while and, and, and you're kind of used to that language of born again and, you know, you, you've got some categories for that. But think, give have a heart for little old Nicodemus because he's never heard anyone talk like that before in his life. And Jesus has just said, you have to be reborn. Now, think, don't think too hard, but think about how birth happens. That's a challenging thought, isn't it? And so Nicodemus goes, well, what? How? And Jesus, this time, gives him this two-part Answer and this answer tells us why the baby is in the manger, why Jesus came, why the angels celebrate, why the shepherds praise, why the wise men worship. First, Jesus came down to make you new by being lifted up. The Bible's presentation is that God created us all we've actually already had this mentioned for us tonight he created us all for this perfect forever life with him if, if you've heard the story that god is here to wreck your life with a bunch of rules don't believe it you were made to find joy with him but we chose to reject him is the sad part of that narrative humanity has lived in darkness and rebellion against god ever since and, and a price needed to be paid in order to bring us back to life with our Creator. And Jesus says, Jesus says, the Son of Man must be lifted up in this passage we read tonight. Now, the Son of Man, that's a title that Jesus uses for himself. And when he says lifted up, what we discover later in John's Gospel and in the other Gospel accounts is he means lifted up on a cross to die. Jesus would take the punishment. Jesus would take the shame. Jesus would take the darkness and the death for us. At the cross, he did the work to make you new, to bring you back to your heavenly father, to bring you to life, a life of relationship with your maker, That's that's why the shepherds, that's why the wise men, that's why the angels. Because Jesus is the hope of all the years realised on that night. Because humanity needed rescuing and Jesus is the only rescuer come to save us with his very life. But then Jesus gives us the second part of his two-part answer. In, In probably the most famous words in the Bible, he says... For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have an everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus came to make you new by leading you to trust in him, to believe in him, to give your faith to. Jesus offers life the likes of which you have always been looking for. Life that you've been trying to find your entire life, by the way. Isn't that a funny conundrum? Have you ever noticed the hole that that everyone lives trying to fill a gap in their lives? This is why the next car looks more attractive than the, the one you just had. This is why the next relationship looks more attractive than the one you have. This is why the. They're everything. All people do is try to fill the hole. And, and, and isn't our experience that we find the things that we try to fill the hole with like square pegs for round holes? Yet Jesus comes to give us the round peg, so to speak. To give us the life, life that he won for us through his death for you. but to enter that life, to pass from the the death of being apart from God to the life of knowing him and being with him forever, you need to trust in Jesus. Jesus says, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's why we celebrate. Uh, We were in darkness, but at great cost to himself, Jesus brought us light. We were spiritually dead apart from God awaiting kind of the physical death so we could get the matching set, you know. But by his death, Jesus has won life for those who believe. We were far from God. We were rejecting God. And, And we were unacceptable to him because of that. But Jesus dealt with our shame. And he makes God known to us. So the challenge tonight is an unbelievably simple one. Do you trust him? Do you live trusting him? Don't fall for the, the idea that, that, that a Christian is someone who got some water sprinkled in their head at some point in their life. A Christian is one thing, one thing alone. A person who knows the joy of trusting Jesus. If you haven't, well why not make this a Christmas like no other? Right? Christmas when new life begins for you. I'm going to pray for us now, uh, and I think the band's going to come back up as as I do that. Jesus, thank you for coming down. Thank you for bringing life. Thank you for bringing light. Thank you for bringing the joy that we celebrate tonight, the joy of the saviour of the world who would bring us back to God pray, Lord, for everyone here and everyone who listens to this, that they would know the joy and the wonder of trusting Jesus, and that they would seek you out, and as you've promised, Lord, they would find you. We pray it in the name of Jesus, the Saviour of the world. Amen.